0: Welcome to episode number eighty-four, Hell Bass Bass Fishing Podcast. Today, tonight, we sat down with Matt Steffen uh, from Wisconsin, tackle warehouse pro circuit, FLW pro angler. Good nuggets, some good fishing tips, a lot of Q and A, and some really good juice on late fall, early winter smallmouth fishing. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. We did the YouTube live. This is the podcast version. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hella Bass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code Hellabass 15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, we're live back on a Wednesday night this week, Hellabass live. Uh, excited to be back. Um, good to have a, a great guest again this week. And uh, we got Matt Steppen. How you doing tonight, Matt?
1: Doing good, Rich. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we got a couple people in the chat already, so looking forward to this. Uh, Darius says uh, smallmouth is his favorite subject. What's up, Jay? Uh, Let us know in the comments quick. Make sure the sound and the video is good for both Matt and I, and we'll get this thing rolling. But a couple things tonight. Uh, While we're letting people trickle in, uh, I want to thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the channel uh you guys know the drill there's there's links and codes down below for arsenal fishing um darius says we sound good jay says we sound good awesome um, so they support the show and i appreciate that and that's important um and then the other thing we are going to do a little bit of a giveaway this week uh based on last week so for those that were listening last week right if you left a comment on last week's stream you're eligible for a giveaway we will probably do that giveaway i'm going to say 8 45 we'll do the drawing tonight live on the show um so that will be the plan and if you didn't enter you can go back and check out last week's stream leave a comment you got about 40 minutes to do that that's your, your final warning here all right solitary says uh two of his favorite channels and one tonight so he's he's a fan of uh your channel as well matt
1: thanks man i appreciate it we're uh putting a lot of effort as you are into trying to grow it i mean it's a uh... Definitely a very good marketing platform and one that uh, aspiring fishermen probably need to look into if they want to make mm-hmm. a, a career out of it.
0: Yeah. This is a direct question already. He says, are you drinking Tropical Face Punch or a Rusty's Bloody?
1: <laughs>
0: no, man. I wish I had both right now.
1: I am out of Central Water's Tropical Face Punch. It is it, The problem with it is it's a single release per year, but it's a fantastic beer. Uh, I haven't been to Rusty's in a while, but uh, I'm gonna head over there for a fish fry pretty soon. I bet.
0: Is that a local local place by you?
1: Yeah, it's a, a local place down in the beer and flowage. Uh, I, it's just yeah, it's one of those local places. You walk in, you're kind of disgusted by like the feel of it, but at the same time, you feel right at home. And the the food is fantastic. They've got a great fish fry and bloodies mm-hmm. that uh, people come from a long ways away to have.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I went to school at Stout, so I got a little bit of that middle yeah, of Wisconsin vibe. We, you know, once once I got a little older and more like a junior senior, I started to get you know tired of the like the mainstream bars. So I found myself like going out of town and going yeah. to the VFWs and and you know. <laughs> Dude, I was
1: I was the same way. You know, you you hit up the the main streets early on, and by my senior year, we had a couple of local joints where we just hung out with the local guys that were like sixty five and you know just. We just stayed away from the, the bar scene, I guess, or the college bar scene and did our own thing.
0: Yeah, cool. And uh, so for those that are wondering what we're giving away tonight, I got uh, a pair of Arsenal sun gloves, nice lightweight gloves with grips on them, uh, a buff, and a super cage jig. So do um, you want to get out the windows? Do you, you wear gloves when you fish at all, Matt, at all? Uh, I do
1: at times. I do not do it all the time, but if we do have uh... – some really hot conditions, you know, I'll do it to protect the backs of my hands. I, I wear, uh, I've got some really nice striker shirts that have mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, the like palm, the yeah, the back of the yeah. hand with the thumbie. Yeah. Um, So it really does a good job protecting, but I have, I, I definitely have worn the gloves. I'll tell you one thing with the gloves that are nice, uh, depending on the brands you get, I don't know if they're all this way, but some brands will come with like a little bit of a rubber coating in it. And if you, if you're fish in a tournament where you cannot use a net that little rubber will like almost stick to the fish's belly so it makes them a lot easier to grab uh in those conditions so there are definitely times i prefer to wear wear gloves
0: yeah uh, these actually I've, I've only worn them for a couple of weekends but i definitely have like <clears throat> can't see them in this package but like there's like a contour pattern on them that looks like yep. a lake Lake map and those are little raised rubber grooves on there yeah um so yeah i think you know you know scooping belly and fish um and then you know if you get those wet misty days i think gripping reels and gripping rods the other time i like them even like those sunglasses they're not heavy but like this time of year not right now because it's unseasonably warm but right but normally this time of year we get up and it's like 40 degrees in the morning that little bit makes a big difference to keep your 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 hands functioning i think yeah
1: absolutely even even when they get wet it's almost like they just retain the heat of your hand they are way warmer in the hands i'll you know a little quick backstory so probably uh i want to say it was 2015 right before the forest wood cup that i fished that year i got i came down with lyme disease and to treat that uh i was taking doxy doxycycline i think is what it's called and it uh One of the side effects to that is it makes you very, very uh, easy to burn, you know, get sunburned. So my doctor told me, he's like, you're going out to fish for a week straight. You better cover up completely. And I got that was the first time I ever wore gloves. And I got the, the ones that like cut off at the knuckles. And after that first day of practice, man, I came in, I, I like could not move like make a fist because from like the last knuckle to my fingertip was burnt. And I've never, I mean, I've never burned that part of my body before, but uh, because of that, you know, the, the doxy that I was on, it just uh, led to you getting burnt really bad. But the side effect or the, the bonus out of that whole thing was I realized how much I liked using the gloves to fish. So it's something that stuck with me since then.
0: That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of mentioned your YouTube channel. Um, so if people don't know, Matt has a channel called Matt Stefan Fishing. Um, how long ago did you start it and what, what really caused you to start the channel? What what gave you the idea or why did you decide to, to sign yourself up for the punishment of uh, starting a YouTube channel?
1: <laughs> Man, I so I mean, I guess, you know, I started making videos. I'm going to say it was a year or two years ago it what happened was the uh at that point we were flw and for the flw tour they had made it mandatory that we put a gopro in the boat to film our our footage and it was kind of a way to make sure everyone was following rules because at that point uh some people didn't have marshals and it was just like a a, i don't know precautionary thing i guess and Mm -hmm. At that point, it was kind of like, you know, I one of the things I love to watch on YouTube are other anglers like yourself or, you know, other touring pros when they just do their tournament recaps. Like, you know, I just like watching what guys were fishing and how they're fishing, and I don't even need the commentary. I just want to watch them fish. Right. And uh, at that point, I'm like, you know what? I've got the footage now because I have to record it all, so I might as well just kind of make some small tournament recaps. So I – went ahead and did it. So I think maybe two years, the two seasons ago, I started that. And I mean, you know, it was like six videos a year that came out and then this Pat, I think I had like 80 subscribers by, I want to say last October. Um, so it wasn't like anything that was growing. It was almost a way for me to record my own tournament so that mm-hmm. I could go back and remember what I did. Um, but I, you know, every year we have a, a Bridgeford team meeting and last year at the team meeting you know i talked a lot with randy blockett who uh had been doing his channel for about a year and i think he was up to like ten thousand subscribers at that point but he was telling me you know about how the, the positive feedback he was getting from sponsors and industry people and at the same time he was generating a little bit of money with it and uh bridgeford really wants the the team members to partake in the youtube thing so that ideally down the road, we could have like our own Bridgeford foods tournament type thing, you know, where we've got a live camera in each guy's boat and we have our own angler tournament type thing, uh, with our own audience, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I came away from that meeting going, you know what, I'm in a position now with all of the things that have happened in the circuits that I'm fishing. So with FLW getting purchased by MLF and then the pro circuit being put under the BPT tour, I'm really trying to look for something that will help me separate myself from other anglers. Because right now, there's so many anglers out there that, uh, you know, to be honest with you, we're a dime a dozen, right? And Mm -hmm. and it's hard for a lot of people in the industry, especially non-endemic sponsors, to, to be able to distinguish between what, you know, I would consider a true professional angler or... You know, somebody who's at the local level doing well or not even angler, but a YouTube guy, you know. So for me, I one of the things I felt like I needed to do is try to put some effort into growing it and uh, kind of just giving myself something that I can point to to say, hey, I can do this. And and I can't tell you, you know, so I have really, in my opinion, I started my channel pretty much in October of last year. So it's been about a year at this point. Sure. And I, I mean, I truly enjoy it. Like, I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I do, but I, I, the feedback that I get from YouTube fans, uh, or subscribers or viewers is so much better than the feedback I've gotten from anything I've ever done on Facebook or Instagram or anything, you know, it seems like for the most part, the feedback you get from YouTube viewers is, is positive positive or they may critique you but it's out of sincere like hey i don't necessarily agree with you have you tried this and it's it's really my channel i try to have be a learning process for my viewers but at the same time i can't tell you you know how much i've learned as well i mean there's a lot of feedback i've gotten that have helped that's helped me as a fisherman and over the the year i've been doing it now i mean to be honest with you the feedback i've gotten from my sponsors in that one year period is probably better than my previous 10 years as a professional angler combined on all other social media i mean it 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 really is something that's important to the sponsors and i've seen it like i the, the power of youtube is really impressive
0: it is it's cool speaking of power youtube Soby's here he said oh, he okay. met you back when he was at steven's point but if you want to talk yeah, about somebody that can a- edit some some videos? Soby is the man. So, <laughs> I
1: love his stuff. Uh, you know, I've seen you guys fish the Tourney Tuesdays together. I tell you, I watch I watch all the the tournament stuff, and I love nice. Tourney Tuesday. And uh, it excites me how much you guys, you know. I know. I th- I think you fished what one with him this year, yep. Tourney Tuesday. But like it's it's so exciting that it makes me excited to get out and fish my little Tuesday nighter or Wednesday nighters around here. It's uh, it's fun. It's fun to watch that stuff. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big
0: fan of his as well. Yeah, that's cool. It's funny because like you said, like you got started in <clears throat> tournament videos, right? And which is kind of funny is like you've probably realized those are your videos that probably get the least amount of views. Yeah. <laughs> like you're in the minority. Like it <laughs> takes a true like fishing junkie to watch somebody else fish. It's like the tips videos and kind of the question videos and like the other videos that seem to do a lot more better and and grow your channel. But, um, but it's interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, a lot, a lot, I still don't have a good grasp on which videos are going to do well and which ones aren't. You know, I, I just put one out the other day that I thought was going to crush it and it, was you know one of my four performing videos and uh so i (laughs) i don't really still have a good grasp on which ones are going to do well and which ones aren't but when it comes to the tournament videos i do like i said i do those almost for myself because it's like a record keeping because i used to I used to take really detailed notes uh, after tournaments, you know, and write down what I did and where I caught fish and how I caught them. And now it's like, I don't need to do that. I can just watch my video and I'll, I'll know what, what I was doing, where I was doing it.
0: Yeah. And, and I do think like your core audience, they do really love the tournament videos, right? Cause they're, they become fans, right. And they engage a lot and they, they do want to see that level, but it's like, you don't get a lot of growth. You don't get a lot of new people coming in on the tournament videos. I think so. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, we could some other time when we don't want to bore the kids, uh, <laughs> we could talk YouTube theory offline. Uh, and, and I could share some of my thoughts, but I'm all ate up. Like a lot of the, I like I watch a fair amount of fishing content, but I also watch a lot of like how to create YouTube content and like that kind of stuff, which is interesting, but that's not why people came tonight. Um, there's a couple questions about like, uh, what is the left or right toenail is best for replacing on square bills? Um,
1: that's the video I'm referring to. Like, I, I don't know if you saw it. I I put a, uh, so last year's, uh, MLF title championship, the old forest wood cup on Surgeon Bay. I, I hit my. I hit something with the trolling motor when I had it on high. So the boat Uh stopped and I went forward and I kicked my, my trolling motor pedal, which resulted in me getting a, a, you know, a black toenail, which fell off like a couple months ago. So I'd use that toenail to replace a broken bill on a crankbait. And it worked wonderfully. Like, dude, I'm telling, I'm going to use that in a tournament so that one day when somebody does an interview of like the top 10 baits, I can show them my, (laughs) my toenail square bill, but apparently it grossed out a lot of people. So it didn't, it didn't do
0: too, too hot,
1: but I enjoyed doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. will it's called Matt Stefan fishing <clears throat> this is his channel. So yeah. Appreciate it, Daniel. It's awesome. Yeah. I like, I mean, I do. I mean, I think tournament videos can be important. They serve a purpose. They just don't always get like the best immediate response. So I'm not saying they don't they don't serve a purpose, that they're not important. Um, it's just not – there's a lot of people that want that instant gratification. They want to see that new bait. They want to see that hot tip. They want that quick hitter where they can – like, those are the ones that seem to pop. Um, but anyways, so I guess if you guys don't know, uh, we didn't really talk. Like, Matt, you're from uh, Wisconsin. You've been fishing FLW slash uh, Pro Circuit now for – Close to ten years, give or take exactly. a little bit. Yeah, this
1: was my eleventh year.
0: Yeah, and started out pretty decent. Uh, but I, I was looking back at your records today, and like after your first like three years, you made like all but one, uh, you know, cup or championship, you know, for for like eight years in a row, which is really awesome. You were very consistent, always finishing that top forty in points, and had a few decent finishes at cups. So um, definitely, you know, a guy that's had success, kind of like you know, better than average, had your moments. And, but like we talked about now, you're probably more known because you, you know, that edge of the YouTube is, is you know, uh, made you a more of a household name than, you know, than tournament alone.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I've always considered myself, uh, one of the more well-known unknown anglers. Sure. And what What I mean by that is like, I feel like the, The anglers, you know, that fish really respect me as an angler. But outside of the the hardcore tournament fishing community, uh, I really don't have much of a name for myself. Which is one of the reasons why I I kind of reverted to YouTube, and I've had a lot more success than I was expecting to have. Uh, You know, I really I don't know what to expect out of it. It's all kind of it's all new to me as well. But it's really really interesting to me when I go to tournaments. You know, and, you know, like really this year as a whole, I mean, I, every tournament I went to, I have multiple people coming up and they're, they're YouTube fans of mine. And sure. it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird feeling. Cause I feel like I've been in the sport long enough to, and done. I haven't, I haven't won. I You got to win in this sport, but yep. you know, I, I, like you said, I mean, I've, the last eight years I've been top 41 in points and i qualified for seven whatever you want to call them forcewood cups, title championships, you know, our championship. And uh, you know, I've done, I've, I'm a full-time fisherman. I mean, I make my, my living doing this. So I, I feel like am I successful as I want to be? No, but I'm do I'm doing it. Like I'm living right. my dream and that to me means something. So it's, it's been a really a, a weird shocker for me this year to have as many people coming up to me because of YouTube and not because of me as an angler. But what what's really satisfying, though, is now I feel, I've, I've really felt the force of my YouTube fans support me now in my tournament. So it's mm-hmm. it's almost like the, it's, I thought it would have gone from, you know, my tournament fans or my support from tournaments would have gone to my YouTube channel. But it's actually worked the other way. So the YouTube fans mm-hmm. have come to the tournament side and and uh, they have really. Uh, the support I've had has been amazing and it's it's one of those things that man as an angler I don't think people realize how important it is to have a good support crew behind you you know whether that's immediate family whether that's just really good friends or or just fans I mean when you get people that you don't know coming up going Matt I'm rooting for you at this one it's really uh a very heartfelt feeling, but it's something that motivates us to continue to do well. So when you do have a bad day on the water, it's something that makes you want to get back up the next morning and go back out for another 15 hours. So it's, yeah, it's been, a, it's really been a great experience. Um And one, like I said, I, I, I didn't have any goals when I started it. I still don't have any goals. You know, part of me is like, you know what? I may put all this effort into it and next year there's going to be a new social media phenomenon that comes out and YouTube, you know, is gone in the wind. I mean, that can happen. So.
0: It could uh, happen. I don't, I don't think so. Like I, <clears throat> I, I would, I would, I would bet my money on YouTube over network TV at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would. I, Hey, I don't even, I mean, we've got, we got Apple TV in our house and we've got uh, YouTube basically. I mean, we, Yeah. I live out in the sticks. We get, I've got a small antenna and we get three local channels. So, I mean, we yeah. do our, YouTube is pretty much our TV at this point.
0: Yeah. I live in the suburbs and I still don't have cable there. So <laughs> I don't know. Somebody said they thought they heard uh bass, you BTL talking about having you on. So yeah, I've,
1: uh, I know, uh, I've heard some rumors as well. I've, uh, I would absolutely love it if, uh, those guys reached out. That's a that's a show I've been listening. Back when I was working in the corporate world, I got into some pretty good trouble by uh, listening to BTL instead of <laughs> doing
0: instead of doing my work. Mm-hmm. Nice. Hey, what's up, Gabe? Good to see you. Um, Will said he subscribed and rung the bell for Matt. Uh, awesome. So Thank just say so, like. Make sure you watch some videos. Subs are not as important as like go sample some video. Like watch two or three of them. See what you think. That's the most important thing. Like hitting the subscribe. Now, if you hit notifications, that's really good. But like hitting the sub button is really like hitting the like on a page on Facebook. It doesn't mean you're going to see their videos. Like YouTube's all about watch patterns and serving you content that you've watched before. So um, I, I always say like go check out their channel, not just like subscribe. So yeah.
1: And and, I mean, I'm and I'm. I will be the first one to tell you they are not like crazy cool editing videos. They are raw footage, and I'm taking the approach that if I feel like my qual, like the quality of the information is good enough, that I'm hoping it will let people get past the fact that the, you know, the the quality of the actual video itself is not anything. Super high tech. I mean, there's no explosions, no girls in bikinis. Like, it's me <laughs> telling you about a bait or a tip that I've got.
0: Yeah. At least you're not driving around with your kids in your car. So that's, that's good. Yeah.
1: I've, I've, I've mentioned to Randy, I don't think that's a good
0: <laughs> <laughs> My you, wife you got... always
1: lets me know I got to yell at him.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I hear that a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I like the direction your are channeling what you're doing and it's good stuff. Um, you talked about the Bridgeford team. I, I don't see Jim Moina firing up the the GoPros and doing a bunch of videos anytime soon, but we'll see. Well, he he's got a channel. He did start it up this year,
1: yeah. and uh I don't know if you've seen him, but he does the. I I think Jim is a is a he, a really cool character. I think he's he great on it if he puts some effort into it.
0: But he, yeah, he does I, these I do think.
1: Where, he, he does, like, nighttime stories with Jim Moyna, where he'll, like, read an old Fastmaster magazine to you. You know, <laughs> and it's – I don't know. He, I think he could do really well if he put some time into it. He's a, he's a, he's a really nice guy and really uh, – he's got some quirks about him, as we all do, but he's he's a quirky character, and uh, I, I love the fact that he's on the team with me. We get along great.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Good to hear Jacob. Yeah. I think yeah, Sasquatch stories, we'll save those for the end. <clears throat> um, yeah, a lot of people saying like that's pretty much all they do is YouTube. So, uh, I guess the other thing I want to touch on, you had a pretty good year. Uh, you made the title championship, you fished in lacrosse. You probably wanted to do, I mean, I think you made the knockout cut, but you didn't make the the final day cut, which was probably a little bit disappointing because you've had some success in lacrosse and fished it a fair amount. You were, you were definitely the closest thing to a a local, uh, not, not that you were like a super local, but like compared to the rest of the field, uh, what were your thoughts on the the title championship and the format that they did this year with the kind of like hybrid BPT big Yeah,
1: I, you know, I don't know if I want that format to continue or not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, it. I think like for me in that tournament, I think it had we been just doing a five fish tournament, it would have, I would have done better because the first two days, I mean, I, I was done fishing. I mean, I literally had a hitchhiker on and I was shaking fish off on both those days, trying to find new fish for the next round. Mm -hmm. And I know in one of those instances, I shook off a couple of really nice fish that, it wouldn't have helped me with the format we had because I had already, I made it to the next round, but you know, I would have loved to have called up with those fish on those first two days, which would have probably allowed me to get by my poor day three to potentially have a shot at the next round. I, you know, it's one of those things. I I truly will fish whatever format they want me to fish. Like if they tell Mm -hmm. us we got to catch just two pounders, you know, and they can't be over two pounds. They got to be exactly 2.0 pounds. I'll still do it. I'm an addicted fishing, you know, nut. I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a problem when it comes to it, but, uh, I, I personally think if, you know, there's no reason to change the format for the championship when we haven't done that all year. So I kind of feel like we should just stick with the format that we had. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I, I, I really, I was so jacked up for that tournament. Like I, I really thought I had a really good shot to win that um, prior to the event, you know, just based on, it was my favorite time of year to go there. And I've had good success that time of year over there. And that low water just really killed me. I I like to go there. I like to flip pretty much. and, And I was still able to do it, but the fish were not. There were very few places where the fish were utilizing it. And I was sharing some of that water with Bobby Lane and, you know, he did great, but he had a couple other sand drop things that he caught a lot of his weight off of it. I didn't have that. I really had. I really had kind of, I was all in on that one pattern and that was my problem. Had I had something to go to early on in the morning, I probably could have done a little bit better, but I never found anything. You know, I, maybe my, knowledge hurt me because in two days of practice I ran around thinking I would eventually find something that really would pay off. And it just, I, I don't know. I, I really think that fishery, uh, it's not, it's not bad, but it's, it's not anywhere near where it used to be. And I don't know if it's cause the fish aren't there or the pressure's so, so high now that the fish are just really spread out more and they're really, um, you know lure conscious I'm not I'm not sure offhand but it uh it's not been fishing nearly as good as I remember although I will say it seems like it's fishing really good right now it seems like there's a oh, lot yeah of like
0: weights, people are know. crushing them right now like yeah. the super tournaments gonna make it look like it's like a hero fishery again like yeah. they're gonna you know because even like what a couple of years ago I mean yeah like it took <clears throat> 38 pounds to win the super tournament a couple years yeah. ago or something crazy like that. But it, it could uh, be
1: a timing thing. I mean, I, I do think in those low water conditions and I don't recall when you were there for the, for the regional, did the water come up at all?
0: It came it up and there. then came right back down during the tournament. Okay. So it was like, okay. it was still fishing pretty stingy when we were there for sure. Like yeah. uh, I mean, my, <laughs> you know, me and the guy from Iowa that won it made it look like it was fishing. Pretty decent, but like I caught seven keepers the first day and I caught yeah. ten the second day and then I only caught three the last day. They weighed ten and a half pounds, but like Yeah, uh, the quality
1: was really good.
0: But it, it, the guys, it just, I mean you look down, there was only I looked it up there. I want to say like five or six guys had limits all three days out of ninety. That's not good.
1: That, that's that's <laughs> not, I mean, considering like when I first I don't have that much experience there. I mean, I probably fished there once or twice a year for the past Mm -hmm. seven or eight years. It's almost 90% of that is the summer months. Yeah. But I mean, the first handful of years I went there, it, the, the, it was almost like the problem was everywhere you went, you caught fish. Yeah. I mean like everywhere you could pull up on the crummiest looking bank and you'd catch a fish. You'd pull up on something that looked good and you'd catch like four fish and it's like, you didn't know where to go because you got too many bites. And now, I mean, for me, the last couple of years I've been there, uh, it's been really tough. I mean, we, uh, I'm trying to think. So last year we were there in the end of July and it was really tough in that one. I mean, that was, that was worse than this past year. You know, I think I finished like 25th or 27th and I think I had Mm -hmm. 24 pounds for two days. Yeah. Uh it's I mean it it at least from the the tournaments that I've fished, the, the pro circuit events, the last three ones when we've been there, the fishing is definitely we've hit it really bad times. In two thousand fifteen, I think it was when we were there. We were there in May, but I mean we, we got like eight inches of rain while we were there. That was one I thought I was gonna really have a shot at winning. I was leading day one mm-hmm. and the river came up like three feet. And I was fishing spawn and smallies and it just got super muddy and it just, everything changed. I mean, I had a lot of fish still going into day two that when that water came up and got muddy, it was like, they just left. I mean, I don't, I would have bet money that they would have stayed there, but a lot of them took off. We, I mean, it was, it came up like three feet, got super muddy and, and it was like highs in like the upper forties. It was some of the most, brutal days of fishing that i've had which is crazy considering i i love to fish like when it's snowing out. i mean it just was a really tough tournament but uh yeah i I think i think the issue with this one for me was the low water i think a lot of times those fish spread out a lot more in that low water because the current's not pushing them into obvious places and uh it can it can hurt the bite I mean, I'm sure it probably helped some guys, but in my case, it, it was not a good thing for me.
2: Cool. Yeah,
0: absolutely. A good question. Do you guys feel catching big fish in practice before the tournament hurts your chances to catch them in the tournament?
1: I think it. I think it hurts your chances of catching that fish in the tournament.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I, I, I try to shake off every fish I can in practice. If there's a way to shake it off, I'll try to shake it off. But I don't think it's ever a bad thing. If, if you're getting bites by multiple big fish in practice, there's a reason for that. So you should, you should really be looking at how you got those bites, where you got those bites, and trying to replicate that. Especially early in the, earlier in the year, it really seems like those uh, pre-spawn fish will be utilizing the same sort of structure. And you can run a pattern better that time of year than most other times of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, catching fish in practice is, you're unlikely going to catch those same fish um, unless you're getting them really early in practice um, and it's a long event. But yeah, I mean, some places you have to sample the fish for sure, just because you get a lot of bites and you got to be on the right quality, but you really got to read the fishery. Like we were talking about lacrosse. I caught three keepers in three days. The rest, everything, I mean, I didn't get a lot of bites, but everything else I shook off and that wasn't very many either. Um, and all three of those were on the first day of practice, and I didn't hook a fish after that. So
1: yeah, I I mean, and I shook. I probably was the same way. I caught a handful of fish in the two days of practice, and uh, I can pretty much. Well, I mean, there's no way for me to guarantee it, but I can. I would feel very com- comfortable in saying that I went back and caught several of those fish that I shook off in practice during the tournament.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely had a a tournament up on Island Lake a couple of years ago in the state tournament where I had these really super freaky isolated docks way back where nobody was going that I had basically pulled on fish and marked them. And literally I think almost every one of them, I went back and caught during the tournament yeah. because I didn't catch them in the practice. So
1: And that, and those are, those are, you know, for the people watching, those are the, those are the ones that you're going to have a greater shot at catching in my opinion are the ones that are more isolated. Like a lot of those, those fish, you know, that I just referenced at lacrosse, they were like literally on a tiny piece of grass that was that big, you know, on a bank for 200 yards that just looked like crap. And it's like, there, there's nothing else there that that fish would be holding. And there's a lot less pressure on that bank because it does look like crap. So, you know, whether they're docks that are way out of the way or just, you know, a, a piece of isolated cover, those fish are a lot less likely to move and they're a lot less likely to get caught because they don't those areas don't normally get as pressured as much so if you can shake those fish off you got a better shot at going back and catching them
0: yeah even like in lacrosse day two we were in a little little slough and in, in goose island there and my co threw a frog on this little duckweed on a cut bank that was probably the size of my monitor right here right and one rolled on it and didn't eat it but i made a mental note Day two through my frog (laughs) of Darren, like so. There's a lot uh, to be said there. Um, One more thing I wanted to touch on this year before uh, we hop into Smalley talk, which I know a lot of people came here for, is like you did qualify because it was it like the top three in each tournament. So you finished top three in Thousand Islands. Yeah, I took second at Thousand Islands, second, and that put you into the Saint Clair, the final event for the BPT. What was it like fishing the BPT uh, for you? What did you think of that? The format, the whole experience, like what are your kind of high points or interesting things from that? Yeah, it,
1: uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, you know, without sounding bad, you know, they, they make it sound like it's this big honor to get invited to come up and fish, but the reality is it's almost like you're, you're getting the chance to jackpot a tournament on a lake that you don't really know that well versus some of the top anglers in the country. So it's not, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not like you won this great thing. And you got to, you know, I had to pay 50, still paid the entry fee, yeah, right. $5,700 $5, entry fee. So it's not like, you know, I got, I got a free invite to go fish one tournament. So I, you know, the other issue with that is had I, done really well or caught the biggest bass of the tournament or you know i i you i couldn't have qualified for their heavy hitters or anything from that one tournament so it truly is one event so there was a a part of me that was a like you know okay i'll go fish it because i want to go catch smallmouth on saint Clair, but you know i can't say it was like super jazzed up to go fish one event now i was excited to go fish and i was happy to go fish but you know i'm just putting it out there that it wasn't like I won some prize. Right. I mean, I still had to go and, and do some work to, to make some money at it, but I will say it was a, it was a good experience from the standpoint of really kind of motivating me to want to get to that level because they really get treated well that, you know, it's, it's, I was, I was talking to my buddy Miles Berghoff cause he got the, he got to fish Lake Travis, one of the earlier events. And we both feel the same way. It's almost like you get there and you, you know, it's exciting and you feel like you should be there because you earned your way there. But when the tournament's over, it's almost like a little depressing because now you are no longer where you thought you had finally gotten to. And it's like, you don't know if you're going to get back there because it's not an easy thing to do. So, uh, you know, there was kind of mixed emotions afterwards, but, I was able to go and cash a check and, uh, you know, come back with some money, which is always a nice thing, but you know, they got treated really well. They, all the, the anglers, you know, half of those guys I've known for a long time. So it was really nice to go and and see some of the guys I haven't seen, you know, old FLW guys, or even some of the old Bassmaster guys, um, so it was really nice to catch up with some of those guys, and it was nice to meet some. You know that there's a handful of guys at this point I haven't fished against or, or met. So it was nice to meet some of them guys too. Um, but I I really do think, you know, I know there's a lot of mixed emotions about the the BPT and MLF, and I really do feel like they they've got something there. Like I think it's going to take some time for the fan base to you know, really fall in line with it. And I think it's going to take some time for them to figure out exactly what format is the format that works the best. Uh, but for me as an angler, you know, after going and fishing it, I, it does reaffirm that, yes, that is a place that I, I want to get to, you know, I want to, I want to either be there or I want to be in the elite. So uh, yeah. that's what I'm fishing to get to one of those two places. Cause for me, that's where I feel like I need to be.
0: Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, right? Like, Uh, A couple things it it reaffirms that, like, hey, if I make it, yeah, I do want to do that. Now I've, you know, instead of guessing, right? And now you and you saw you fished well, you definitely know. I mean, you probably thought you could hang, but now you definitely know you can hang if you make it at that level, right? You had some success, you cashed a good check. Yeah. Um, So a lot of good positive things and eliminate some of that unknown uh, in the future, which is good. Um, Yeah. I don't know if we can condone not doing your homework, but uh, we'll take it 10,000 lakes fishing. Uh, but uh, cool. Um, yeah. And so next year you're going to be back. You think at the BPT, I mean, or sorry, the, the pro circuit is your plan. And then are you you planning to add anything else to your schedule or fish anything else?
1: Yeah. I'd, I'd love to work in uh, at least one of the divisions, the opens, you know, we haven't got that. As far as I know, the schedule is still not out for not that um, I've seen, I, I had heard rumors. It was supposed to come out last week and then, I was talking to my buddy, uh, Jeff Gustafson yesterday, and he said now he's here in late later in the fall. So <laughs> I don't know if that means maybe they're trying to change some dates or locations or what. Um, cause I've heard some rumors that, you know, uh, some of the, the pro circuit events are going to overlap with the opens. And if that's the case, I don't know that I can fish them, but I would really like to work in at least one division and give myself a little bit of a chance to, uh,
0: qualify sure. yeah that'd be cool yeah i, I hate to see like uh, i hate to see the organizations working against each other like i you know like it seems and i'm not pointing fingers but it seems petty to try to like keep the anglers right the only what the only people that the people that lose are the anglers and the fans like like that's yeah. i don't know but that's yeah I, I mean i
2: yeah <laughs> I, I i agree
1: with you i mean i you know i when i talk to mlf brass you know i they' every all the businesses, all the organizations are running a business. so they need to do what's in their best interest. I get that, but but all the anglers that are fishing, regardless of tour that you're fishing, are our own business as well. So we have to do what's best for our business. And just because what's best for the organization's business doesn't mean it's best for my business or the yeah. other anglers' business. so there's there's decisions that always need to be made. The biggest issue for my business is I don't necessarily have that much power other than to say I'm not fishing. You know, I can't just go to the elites and say, hey, I'm fishing next year. So right. I have to go through the hoops that they want to make me jump through. And if I decide to say, hey, I'm not fishing the pro circuit next year, well, then what am I fishing? So, you know, even I, I need to do what's best for my business my business, but I, I really don't have that many choices. And that's where like what you're getting that rich, you know, where the, it seems like the anglers and the fans are always the one that are kind of being put in the, in the bad spot, you know? And uh, I, I would love it if they all just said, Hey guys, we're going to schedule so you can fish whatever you want to fish and allow us to, Hey, you know, fish 30 tournaments if we want. Cause, cause as much as I hate being away from home, as a professional angler, I need to fish tournaments, right? So if I could fish, you know, whether it's the elites or NPFL or, you know, another high-dollar event, those are events that help me make money. The Opens, as much as people want to say, you know, they're great events, yeah, they're fine for exposure, but they're money pits. I mean, they're, in my opinion, that is the worst payout that any tournament Out there. I mean, if you go to a local event and they pay back 60%, there's not going to be one angler that's okay with that. And the opens are like paying 60 or 65%. I mean, it's really, it's really hard on an angler to go there. I mean, we're going there with the the hopes of making it to the elites, but you, you can't go
0: there expecting to make much money. Yeah. actually the toyotas good. are much better for making money than the opens yeah <laughs> yeah they, i
1: mean they really are and even those aren't that good i mean
0: no but nice i'm saying like gotta, if, if you compare it to the opens it looks pretty good it's not yeah. that good but if you look at the opens it makes it look good
1: yeah i mean because uh, it doesn't matter what level tournament you're fishing if you got to travel somewhere and be there for a week your travel expenses are the same right it's a, it's a matter of at that point i want to fish for ten thousand dollar checks versus you know a two thousand dollar check that's not going to cover my
0: expenses yeah chad know: would you ever consider fishing the champ tour again uh <laughs> yeah i mean for sure like i
1: i would 100% do it if i could work it in i thought those were phenomenal i think they're they're great events to fish you know i think the guys fishing it are, it's like one happy family I mean I really didn't know many guys who were there and you know I was really welcomed with open arms so I enjoyed it I think they run it I think the guys running it uh, you know Scott and Glenn mm-hmm. and those guys do a great job I, I I would love to have a circuit like that you know closer to home for me because there aren't many events there are really no events in Wisconsin and I don't think there's many in Minnesota that have you know the payouts that they have.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, it's eight forty-five, which, as we said, we we're going to do the drawing. So, um, about to do the uh, the drawing here. So, yeah, for the Arsenal Sun gloves the Buff a Super K Jig. Um, while I'm pulling that up, I will mention that Super, uh, Arsenal is running a twenty-five percent off Sun Hoodie sale. So, it's a good time of year. It's beautiful out. You still need your sun hoodie. We're not quite into to bib weather yet, unfortunately. Um, but, hey, like we talked about, it's important to cover up. Like I'm pretty sure you're wearing, like, and this is what you wear, right, like a striker version of this almost all yep. the time, right, like a long sleeve sun hoodie. So, yep. I mean, like, I don't think any of us really like sunscreen. So I encourage people to protect themselves out in the water and take care of yourself. And this is the type of clothing that uh, that that I think everybody that fishes a ton recommends. So. Mm.
1: It's also really amazing when you have good clothing like that. That not only is it great for protecting you from sun, it's actually cooler to wear that than to wear like a cotton T shirt. I mean yeah. it really is amazing when you put something on like that and you're like, God, this feels like I'll probably be hot if I got my hood up and long sleeves, but it they really are like
0: cooling clothes. And the long term fatigue at the end of the day is less. I truly believe that.
1: Oh yeah. One hundred percent like it still blows me away like before buffs came out and the sun shirts like you'd go out you'd fish in a t-shirt all day you get off the water and you just felt like i for me i always felt like my face was leather and like you know you're burning and hot and you just feel like you're cash for the day and i i'll never forget like the first time i wore a sun shirt and a buff and i got off and i'm like god i don't even feel like i've been in the sun all day i mean it was i 100 percent agree with you it's it's you have way more energy coming off the water if you protected yourself from the sun
0: all day. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this drawing thing. So I got the comment of the YouTube plugged in here. This is all set up. So this will be legit. Uh, it says uh, looks like there was 28 entrance. All right. And Where am I missing here? Why is it not? I feel like <laughs> right here, this one. There it is. All right. Looks like Daryl Wilson, you are the winner. All right. So I don't know if I've seen Daryl in tonight, but uh, shoot me a note on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere uh, and get a hold of me, and uh, we'll get this mailed out. So, congratulations, Daryl. I am going to. All right, that'll be in the video. I can get that later. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, and I'm not wearing this smallmouth hoodie just for my good looks, um, but it's smallmouth night, so let's talk about how to catch false smallmouth. And uh, Matt, you've you've I've seen a handful of articles and things you've done with Jody White and different places. Like you've kind of got a little bit of a passion for kind of those northern Wisconsin natural. kind of late in the year, like late fall, early winter. So, um, I don't know. I think he did some, some stuff like five keys on how to find them and that kind of stuff. Like where did that all start? And how did you start like finding and wanting to find those late season smallmouth or what really got you into that?
2: Yeah, I, uh,
1: man. So my, my old team partner, Jason Correo, he, uh, I don't even remember exactly what happened. He's like, Hey, well, I mean, it was two guys, Jason Carrillo and Sean Krasitsky, who were team partners of mine when I was fishing team events. And uh, one of them got a lead on a lake and they're like, let's go check it out. And I just remember it was like an eye-opening experience. I mean, we went up there and had like our best five were like 27, 28 pounds. And uh, it just, it was just an eye-opening experience. Like I, I was like, I didn't realize that we had, lakes like that this is back like college time i mean so we're talking almost 20 years ago at this point point. and uh, one of the things that i love about well there's several things that i love about fishing late fall i mean the, the first is you've really got a true chance at catching a giant i mean In Wisconsin up until this year, we weren't allowed to fish until opening weekend. So now you've got the opportunity to catch true pre-spawn giants as well. But before this year, it was pretty much like your best shot was late fall. And at that time of year, very few guys are on the water because everyone's out in the woods hunting. And you kind of had the lakes to yourself, which was really nice. But uh, one of the, the best things about it is when you find a place they're at, they are almost there every year so you know you spend a lot of time trying to locate these fish you know it's not as simple as you can just go out and graph them and find them cuz for the most part they're they're like stuck on the bottom to the point where a lot of the fish you catch they've got clay and mud stuck to their belly cuz they're just they're just sitting there but when they when you find them they're grouped up And they can be big and they can be, you know, relatively easily caught. Uh, But, you know, you you find maybe one or two spots every day you go, you know, whether it's a lake you've been to or a new lake. But after doing that for years, you get these milk runs of spots. So, you know, I can go and hit a handful of lakes and hit four or five different spots on each lake and feel like I'm hitting prime spots. And you go and you catch, you know, it'll turn like that time of year is not normally a really good numbers time, but it it becomes a good numbers time as well as quality time, because you have a bunch of spots that they utilize year after year after year. So it's, it's something that, uh, you got to put a lot of effort into, but when it pays off, it pays off great. I mean, it's really something at this point, like a good, a good day is right around 29 or 30 pounds for top five and a bad day is like 24. I mean, so you're, you're really going after good fish and it's, it's a blast. I
0: mean, it's really a a fun time. So part of it is like, do you think finding the lakes that have the quality of fish, is that part of the equation or do you really think? That's the number one (laughs) equation.
1: Uh, You know, there's a, there's a lot of lakes out there that we all know about, right? You know, whether there's events there that, you just see the weights in those tournaments, but there's a lot of lakes in Wisconsin and Minnesota that just don't get the pressure. You know, they, the lakes don't have to be big. A lot of these lakes are a few hundred acres and, you know, because of that, they're, they're just really don't get, they don't ever have the tournaments on them. So you don't hear much about it. And the guys that know about it usually keep those lakes quiet. So the first thing you do is figure out how you find those lakes. And in my opinion, the num you know, the, the biggest thing you can do is try to find the forage base. You know, you're looking for a lake that's got uh Cisco in our neck of the woods. You're looking for Cisco. And if it's got rusty crayfish at the same time, you're really, you're really looking in, in the right area. Uh, generally speaking, these are deep lakes, you know, that, Uh, have a lot I would say the majority of the lake is is deeper you know so what happens the reason for that is these the biggest smallmouth in my mind are more nomadic because they're chasing those cisco so you want to find those lakes that have the good cisco populations to grow those bigger fish the problem is those fish are harder to catch because they're nomadic so you know the thing there though is they grow the big ones so if you're looking for the big fish the lakes that have usually more deep water uh, and the Cisco's is, is part of the key. So, you know, you can do that. You can go online and get a lot of that information just from your DNR uh, <clears throat> websites. A lot of times they'll give you creel samples as well. The creel samples, I don't take, uh, I don't look at them nearly as much because a lot of times those sample bases are really dependent on, the type of sampling they did, and the time of year that they did it. So, you know, for example, if it was an electroshocking, chances are they didn't get a bunch of big smallmouth and electroshocking unless they did it maybe in May during the spawn, which they don't right. normally do. So you you want to take that stuff with a grain of salt. But I will say if they did sample fish that are, you know, show some really good size, there probably is a much better quantity of those big fish than that sampling suggests but if if you saw a lake where they you know say they found or they they netted or shocked or whatever 500 smallmouth and the biggest one was 18 inches they're they're probably that's probably a good uh indication of what the fishery is but it doesn't mean that there are no big fish in that in that fishery and generally these lakes that are really good don't have super high numbers
0: mm-hmm. so really like you're looking for a co- indications of the size not necessarily quantity and you're looking like yeah. it's more like you can take the positive right because if they net 19 to 22 inches you know there's big ones in there and there's gonna be more but just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not there so it's yeah. Uh, sure
1: yeah you know another another good thing to uh,
0: a good indicator
1: a lot of times is If you do get there in the spring and it's a lake that does get, you know, it has a lot of fish on beds and the average size male is really good. A lot of times that means the females are a a good average size as well. And they're generally bigger than the males. So, you know, if you're catching 18 to 20 inch males off the bed, there's probably some big females in there.
0: Few Before we get too far, I have a couple questions. Somebody want to know how close are you to Partyville, Wisconsin? Uh, I'm
1: gonna say an hour and 15 minutes. Nice, an hour um, and a half.
0: I, I had a buddy from Stout that was in Partyville, <clears throat> but uh, uh, you ever fish Lanier?
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorite lakes. Nice, I, love I have Lanier. not,
0: but it's a place that I'd like to go to, but I've not been
1: there. Dude, that place has some of the the biggest spots I've ever seen, and it's. They they are by far the fattest spots I've ever seen. It's a, a super fun fishery, lots of big fish in it. Like, it's, uh, I mean, people complain about the boat traffic, but it's worth it. It's a great fishery.
0: So you kind of gave some tips on, like, finding lakes. So when when do you, water temperature, right, like, when do you get excited to go out and start chasing these, these giant smallmouth?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm usually looking that the ideal water temperature is usually like 46. Um, but once it gets into the low 50s, they'll start moving. You know, the thing is, a, a lot of these fish are wintering fish, right? Mm-hmm. So they're into their wintering spots. So when you've got water temps that's in the mid 50 range, a lot of those fish are still going to be up cruising the bank or trying to fatten up, not necessarily on the bank, but up in shell or water, just putting their feedback on. Uh, so once that water gets to that 50 degree or lower, that's when those fish really will start moving out into those, those wintering spots.
0: All right. So like low fifties, and then once you start finding them, then, you know, they're just going to keep piling into those spots. And so you can just, you start licking your chops like, all right, they're coming to me now. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really is a lot of times you, you know, when you do find a spot and a lot of times it's like, you need the, you need As a tip, anytime you catch one, you want to be very specific in trying to replicate that cast, because they're usually sitting right on top of each other, and there was something about that cast that gets them to bite. Uh, And normally, you'll be able to, once you get one to bite, you'll fire them up real quick, and usually you can get a couple to go. The thing is, they'll usually die off, too, after you catch three-ish, four-ish, somewhere in there. So... You know, if you let them sit though for a couple hours, you can come back and make that exact same cast, and usually get them fired up and catch some more out of them.
0: So the key is finding two or three areas on a lake, or four or five, or whatever that you can kind of rotate.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, it really is. Once I'm telling you, you got to put a lot of work in because the fish are really inactive. They're you know they're really cast specific, and. You know, there, I've put a lot of days in where I've gone up and you don't catch a fish. I mean, you might catch a couple walleye or something mixed in, but there's been a lot of days where I've struggled trying to break down a new body of water. And, you know, the thing is, once you once you find those spots, though, they are good every year. So it's worth it. And at this point for me now, I've got, you know, a bunch of lakes that I can do what you said. You pull up on one spot, you catch three you let them sit, you go wherever and catch three out of the next pod and you just keep rotating. And by the time you get back to the place you started, it's, you know, two hours later.
0: So what kind of depth ranges are we typically talking about here?
1: You know, that's, that's really dependent on the body of water. Generally Mm I'm, I'm in that 30 to 50 foot range. Um, 50s getting on the deep end but you know i do have some lakes where i get them down to 55 but usually that 30 to 35 foot range is the key it's really dependent though on the on the lake itself and a lot of that i think is based more on water color and water clarity mm-hmm. um yeah this is just my opinion it may just have more to do with the way the lake sets up but generally the darker the water the shallower they're going to be so in a more stained body of water like a tannic stained lake that we have up here in the north country uh you know deep could be that 15 to 18 foot range but if you're on a body of water that's got 15 foot visibility uh you're probably going to be looking more in that 40 foot range
0: okay and, th- and then you said, uh, you know, obviously, you know, cisco and some of those roaming bait fish and then rusty crayfish, but what are these fish keying on this time of year? Uh,
1: I mean, they're, a lot of them are chasing those cisco. Cause that, that's what will happen those Cisco will spawn. They spawn in the fall mm-hmm. uh, and those fish will feed on them and then they'll go down once they've, I, I truly think a lot of those fish, once they've fed up for the fall and get to their wintering spots, they are I don't think they're eating much at all all winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you in a lot of the spots where I've caught them, uh, you'll find, you know, that there'll be, uh, you know, like lots of debris, like old tree debris, where it's not uncommon at all for me to like pull up an old branch that's, you know, that thick but it's hollowed out and it'll be solid crayfish all the way up the inside of those those logs or little britain uh, limbs Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me at all if those fish are somehow eating some of those crayfish out of there but i i really think that once they're in those wintering spots the only thing that really is going to trigger them is if they get some cisco or or bait fish to swim by maybe a perch school Mm -hmm. something like that Uh, But I think they're really pretty lethargic.
0: Yeah, because I think once the water temps hit the temps that you're targeting, my understanding is that most of the crayfish are starting to burrow
1: at that and uh, and and hibernate. That's always what I've assumed is they're just hibernating in those limbs, you know, until the following year. Because, I mean, they're just like stones. I mean, you could take the limb and shake them out and they don't even like... They don't do anything. I mean, they don't really even sure. unwind. They're just in a ball and I think they're kind of just doing their hibernating thing, but I don't know if they do that. I've always heard that they kind of burrow into the mud. So I don't know if that works or not. I'm not right. super fluent on crayfish talk, I guess.
0: Solitary Feynman says he, he wants to see a Cisco in your bait series. So
1: I've got, I've got some stuff come. Believe me, this fall, I plan on having some stuff coming out. Nice.
0: So, What so, what are we looking at like mud flats, basins? Like, what kind of stuff are you looking for in general? Is it very or what's what are the key structure? Yeah,
1: I mean, honestly, the the juice if, if for anybody who wants to go out and try this, the absolute key is if you can find a like the juiciest of juices, if you've got a nice deep point that's pretty sharp breaking and that has a little bit of a shelf somewhere on it, so that shelf is where they'll sit, you know? So if you, you know, if you just envision the point breaking at a nice pace, but then it, you know, usually in that 35 foot range, if it just gives you one little shelf and then drops back off, they'll mm-hmm. be on that shelf. Like that's the juiciest of juiciest stuff. That's almost always where I start. Uh, the next best stuff is if you can find saddles that top out in that, you know, depending on the lake again, but usually in that 30 to 40 foot range, uh, that's a good place to, to look as well.
0: Like saddles between humps or saddles between points or any saddle. it
1: it could be anything. It could be, you know, a saddle between two submerged islands, a a saddle off a point to a submerged Island, you know, just something where you've got, you know, your two high spots with a, a saddle that connects them. Usually they'll be sitting down in that saddle off those two high spots, um, You know, generally, I'm looking for a hard bottom, but it's it's not it's not big rock. I'd rather have like an isolated rock here, or you know, spread around a little bit Mm -hmm. versus solid rock. It's it's very rarely solid rock for me. It's it's generally more uh, almost uh, you know like uh, like gravel with a scattered big rock, and you know, if you can find some clay, clay is generally pretty good too. It's not It's. I mean, most of the not most, but a good number of the best spots I have, you know, you'll bring your bait up and the bait will have some clay on it. I mean, so and, and a lot of the fish you bring up have clay on their belly, too. So it's there's something to it. I don't know if the fish like sitting on it because it, it's a little warmer or maybe that's where, you know, some of the, it has something to do with their forage base. But sure, uh,
0: it helps. Nice. All right. So we kind of talked about, so what, what is, I guess, on the lower end, like how, like to ice up to like 34 degrees, like how late, how do you chase them and how cold is too cold?
1: Right. right. There is, there is no too cold. It does get tougher. I mean, once you get, once you hit like 40, 40 or 41, it really does get tougher but those fish are there that I mean they're. I can't I'm not a big ice fisherman and I've never gone and set up over these fish through the ice but my assumption is that those fish are there until they leave it to move up to you know get into a pre-spawn phase Mm -hmm. and I and I will add you know when you're catching fish from that deep it's don't don't put them in your live well just take a quick picture and let them go and let them go back down you know one of the I am not a huge fan of throwing fish in a live well, if you don't need to. And in this case, a lot of these fish, when they're coming out of that deep of water, they, you know, definitely have some full air bladders and I would recommend guys to just take a picture, let them go.
0: Right. And do you like, do you work them a little slower, like ease them up or is that not matter? Or?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. the fish are, they're pretty lethargic in terms of fighting. They don't, come up and jump i mean i i use for the most part real light line with everything and take my time bringing them up and let them go uh you know unhook them if i want a picture i'll take a quick picture and let them go right away
0: so i guess we should probably talk about techniques like what what kind of lures are you using to probe these you're talking about finesse light line but what what like i'm guessing uh a, uh a, a, your guppy head probably comes into play for this mm-hmm. a little bit yeah it's
1: uh the, the hardest part is finding them. Once you find them, you can catch them on various things. I mean, traditional finesse smallmouth stuff is great. Drop shots are really good. Uh, you know, swim baits, you know, the the guppy head with a small swim bait is really good. Uh, football jigs can be good uh, if you like throwing jigs. Ned rigs. I mean, really, your traditional smallmouth stuff works mm-hmm. really well. I do... Uh, I like to work in a hair. Well, I I tie like marabou hair jigs, but I use them on a drop shot, uh, and that works really well. Um, I'm a big fan of throwing some metal at them, whether it's spoons or blade baits. That's a, a real popular technique with me as well.
0: What, what do you, what, what I mean? When you're looking for them, what's your your go to? I would th- I would feel like a blade bait would be a good search bait as far as like. <clears throat> getting some response because you can get it down there you can kind of work it it's a good cold water i don't know if
1: you can can you see what those are
0: it's a little small but it's a whole
1: it's a whole wall of old silver buddies that's that's my that's my go-to sure uh there we go sorry that is all old silver buddies nice that uh is probably my my favorite bait to use for, it just because it is a really efficient way to fish that right. deep and it gets it gets bites and it's a, a good locating bait and at that point then once I find them I can mix in other things but uh that's probably my favorite I like the the old ones because they have they're thinner uh uh-huh. sheet metal and they seem to get better vibration.
0: you change the hooks on those or
1: uh, believe it or not, I don't, I mean, I will, but, uh, I don't really mind the, the original hooks that come on them. I do. They are brittle. They do break quite a bit, but, uh, I kind of like that because when you're fishing that deep, you can get most of your baits back. You just end up breaking a hook off.
0: Sure. But you're not, you're not like doing braid trebles and all that kind of crazy stuff for your,
1: no, not really. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: keeping it. Uh, you, you still fishing those on spinning rods and straight floor or braid floor? Or like what kind of setups you like for blade baits?
1: I'll I'll throw that on uh, usually bait casting gear with ten pound test, but uh, like a medium action, medium medium uh, medium heavy, fast action tip, but not something that's super stiff. I mean, the one thing I'll say with it is a lot of times you know, cause they are lethargic. If you have a extra fast action tip, you know, you're going to pull that bait away from them a lot of times. And I I'll go straight 10 pound fluorocarbon on it. Uh, just for that same reason, I feel like with the braid, I just am pulling it away from the fish more than letting them get it. Sure. I'm sure, I'm sure braid would work fine, but um, that's just my preference.
0: So when you fish a new lake or a a spot that you're confident in like how long do you fish the silver buddy around before you move on uh
1: i mean i i'll have i mean i'll have probably five or six different baits rigged and i'll throw the buddy a, a good amount of the time but if i'm not getting bit on it i definitely won't have any issue changing it up the big the biggest issue though is I could feel like I'm on a great lake. I could feel like I'm throwing the right baits, and just because I didn't get bit, doesn't mean that the bait was wrong or the the lakes were wrong. It just may mean I didn't find them or didn't make the right cast. I mean, I've I've there's several lakes that I went to two or three times, and I think you know I may have caught one fish each time at that lake before really trying like on like figuring out what I needed to be doing. And now there's some of my better lakes, but. Uh, and just because you went to a lake for one day doesn't mean that they're not there. If you didn't sure. do well.
0: So, I mean, like, so you go to a lake that you're like, gosh, I, I really feel like this is a promising lake. It didn't quite happen today. Do you like refish some of that stuff? Are you looking for, I mean, like more spots? Is it more like you keep changing locations and check a few spots? Like what, what's. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of it is you got to keep
1: moving, locations on the lake because i i do find that there's areas within lakes that generally are better you know even though the whole lake may look the same you may find that like the north end is is better and a lot of times i feel like the north end seems to be better and i don't know if that's in my head or i I can't i don't know why i don't know if that's because it's kind of the spring thing where it's more protected i but it's i like to fish the north ends generally start there um but a lot of it just has to do with finding that range, too. You know, once you find that the depth that the fish use on that lake, they're usually, it's usually pretty consistent throughout that lake that they're in 32 feet of water, you know, or whatever it is. And you may go to a lake that's across the road and they're 10 feet shallower or deeper. It's just one of those things that you got to find that range that they're in. But when you do it, it seems like it's a really good depth throughout the entire you know, throughout the lake for your other spots on that lake.
0: So really finding the first spot is like, it's huge, right? Yeah.
1: I I, one that's a huge part of it is once you find one spot, you can usually duplicate it, but it's so hard to find that first spot. And that's, that's where I think a lot of people get frustrated with it. It's not like, you know, I can't stress this enough. It's, it's not, you go out there and just bash on them right away. It's you, you gotta be willing to put your time in to find those spots and, and know that you have a good shot of striking out if you're going to a new lake, but the reward, the reward is so good. It makes it so worth it.
0: Yeah. It can be intimidating, right? Like it's, um... the, the, the other thing I'd point
1: out too, with this is you can fish all day but the bite window is really small. The bite window is almost always going to be from noon to four o'clock with your key window. Like the key bite is almost always like one to two o'clock. Like that's the best time. And I'm sure that's just cause that's when the sun is the highest and they're, you know, potentially at their higher activity levels. But I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a lake, you know, I'll, I'll get out on the water when the, the sun comes up and you just don't, you won't get a bite. Until after lunch, and it just makes you go, "Did I waste my time? Do I fish places that had fish? And you know, do I need to come back and check a lot of this once you know the sun is up higher?" And you really do, because a lot of times, I mean, I've there's a lot of lakes that I've fished. You can go to the, you can go to the juice, make the right cast, and you cannot get them to bite. But you can, you literally can feel the bait bumping into the fish and like you can roll the fish over and you see you know they're there they just are so lethargic you can't get them to bite and then you go back there two o'clock and it's lights out Hmm.
0: crazy so silver buddies do you got a weight or it's like silver do you play with colors and sizes like what's this
1: uh i mean the half ounce is the best all-around size but depending on depth i'll go up to a one ounce and i'll drop down to a a three-eighth ounce if i have to Mm -hmm. uh generally silver's the best they there used to be a there used to it used to be the brass color they're really tough to find but they almost get if it's the older ones they're really tarnished looking now so they kind of have that tarnished brass look and those are really good as well um I generally uh, stay away from the painted ones. I've, I've spent a lot of time fishing with the painted ones, but they don't seem to work as well. And I, I think part of that is they can be a little bit louder, which the fish don't necessarily want. And and I don't think they vibrate quite as good because the paint makes hmm. them thicker, so they don't work as well.
0: Interesting. That's cool. Huh. But once you get like, once you have your, like, how much time now, like, when you, cause you're probably gonna get ready to do some of this in the next couple, yeah. I mean, like, a water temps has gotta drop here another 10 degrees, but, um, how much now that you've kind of put the work in, are you going back to your old favorite lakes versus hunting new lakes? Uh, so my routine,
1: my routine is I usually go to new lakes. There's so, I mean, there's so many little lakes in northern Wisconsin, you know, just like, you guys have in minnesota that it's hard it's hard to hit them all
2: Mm -hmm. uh but i like
1: to go to a new lake and start there and see if i can figure it out and then if that doesn't pan out at all i'll usually end the day on a lake that i know well just to make the the drive up worth it
0: sure yeah and like and that kind of work i mean starting that new lake you know probably definitely keeps you fresh and sharp makes you work your your skills and your tools that you need to be using out on the tour. You know what I mean? Like you're always challenging you're always
1: you. E- yeah. You're always excited to go to a new lake to try to figure it out. And, you know, sometimes those lakes just slap you in the face and you just, you just don't get bit and it's nice to have that fallback, but it's nice to be able to go to a new lake. And if you do figure something out there, it gives you another lake in the rotation to hit it at some point
0: yeah cool yeah it's it's always exciting to go to a lake until you're three hours in and you haven't had a bite and it's like yeah. <laughs> why didn't i just go to the hammer hole
1: <laughs> that's uh, i mean that that's a good portion of the trips that's uh, right around like noon you're like why did i go here i should have picked a different lake the the other bummer with it too is it seems like a lot of times you like it's been so nice right now that you know we're still it feels like we're still a ways off, but you get a big front that moves through, you know, weather wise you can, you may only have like a week of prime time to get there before the lake freezes over. I mean, some of the front, you know, you, you, you could be sitting at like 58 degree water temps and all of a sudden you get a week straight of just crumb, you know, crummy, super cold water. And it's all of a sudden you're froze up and you missed the bite. You know, you
0: I feel like you're talking about last year. <laughs>
1: I I mean, it's been, there's been a lot of years like that where, you know, there was, there's been a couple of years where, you know, it, it it actually froze over and then all of a sudden it got warm again, but it was like, it it doesn't matter at this point because it froze over and you can't get out there. And that, that's one of the other things. I, I like to chase, I like to stay in front of the, uh, the ice, you know, I'll go start way North and I'll try to fish all the way up into you know, December, if I can down, I'll end up on Lake Geneva down by the border.
0: Mm-hmm. That's cool. That so I think, did you say you do some guiding or is that something you do or?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, I do some, it's not, uh, it's not a huge thing. I probably do uh, 10 trips a year or something like that. It's. I don't like to book many trips during my tournament season because mm-hmm. so many things can change based on, you know, how you do or schedules get rearranged a lot, it seems like. So I usually try to book for the, the second half of the year, um, you know, but the issue with that is then you start running into periods where I'm selling my boat and I don't have a boat. So I don't like the book. I don't like the book that many trips for like, you know, starting around now into the late fall, just because, I don't know if I'm going to have a boat or not mm-hmm. at the same time. I like to go chase these big smallmouth, and that uh, if I'm guiding that kind of pre- prohibits
0: that sometimes. Yeah. Hey, appreciate it. Solitary refinement, not needed, but always appreciated for the donation. That's awesome. Thank you, buddy. Um. So what, like what your guide trips, are they like, are they fish catching guide trips? Are they electronics? Are they learning? Like what, what type of trips do you like to do or do you typically do?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I do a little bit of everything um, the, I mean, the majority of the time it's geared towards bass, but uh, I do a lot of trips uh, where I get people that like bought a house on a lake and they want to they want to figure out how to break it down. So, you know, I, I may be going to a lake I've never fished before and breaking the lake down for them to mm-hmm. show them, you know, the areas that I think are the best and try to find some areas for them to fish. Uh, those are, those are the ones I truly love doing because that's, yeah. you know, exciting to do as well. But, uh, you know, I do do, I've got a handful of lakes in this area that are much more like fish catching lakes. And, you know, if, if that's what the client wants, then that's fine too. But I, I kind of go all over. I, I'll do some trips, you know, all over the place, really. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll travel if they want me to travel. So it's, uh, yes. but, but generally it's more learning type trips
0: cool and do people like just look you up on instagram or facebook or how do they
1: yeah i've got a website uh my guide information is on okay. Uh and you can learn more about it there
0: nice uh matt Deitch from the midwest angler podcast i think you do right because you live on the river right you do a lot of smallie fishing and small rivers right that's yeah cool. I,
1: that's one of my i love chasing them in the late fall but during the summer i love fast shallow, moving water
0: and how much is that like shore fishing versus do you got a little flat you cruise around the river with or what what type of fishing do you do on because on the wisconsin
1: right yeah well the, the so if you go to the upper wisconsin a lot of that uh some of it's accessible with a bass boat uh but if you've got a tin rig that's usually the better way to go about it i'm still trying to uh convince myself to buy a jet boat because that's kind of the ultimate boat but uh yeah i just i love the super shallow stuff and you you get a a tin boat you can get you you can get pretty much everywhere you need to go Mm -hmm. but yeah like the the upper wisconsin river is a phenomenal smallmouth fishery i mean it's uh really really good and i mean you can cast across the river at that point but there's a there's a whole bunch of rivers throughout wisconsin that uh people don't talk about but they're phenomenal fisheries and you know you can you can walk across most of them they're like knee deep in them you know through most of the stretches nice
0: do you shore fish right at your place and catch them or yeah
1: yeah we uh so i've got two boys i've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old and they they love to go down by the the river so yeah we've got an area cleaned out and we'll toss some night crawlers off the bank and they'll uh, walk around looking for clams waiting for the rods to go off and we'll catch i mean we'll we'll catch everything from <laughs> smallmouth the carp the red horse the sturgeon walleye panfish i mean we pretty much have caught everything i mean it's it's pretty funny i keep a I keep a personal best list in my phone of of my boys catches and, uh, nice. It's like 14 different species at this point. It's, it's a pretty unbelievable fishery. I mean, we, we've had days, we had one weekend where we fished for a total of 12 hours. We had some friends here and we, we had, uh, it was 43 sturgeon. Wow. We had like, you know, you, probably another 30 random smallmouth and walleye and carp. I mean, it was not, we couldn't even keep more than like three lines out the whole time. It, it can be really a blast.
0: Yes. Bass assassin. Yes. I keep it hidden under my beard though. So, um, but uh, yeah, if you watch my tourney vids, that's usually when you see my emotion and I boat flip like a four pounder on a frog. That's usually when my emotion comes out. Um, yeah, Matt Deitch, He's he's got a, a podcast. He lives. I forget exactly where he lives, but kind of su- down towards Iowa, Wisconsin area. Um, and uh, he he's caught 103 fish or days caught a bass 103, and almost all of them have been from shore, other than his one trip up by Alexandria. And uh, so, so it's a good run. what's he what's he doing at ice is over does he go south so i think he's gonna he'll probably give up once it ices up like i think there'll be a point this fall when he gets too cold and he'll probably hang it up uh but
1: that's a good run though 103 days man that's good
0: i know i heard somebody was talking about charlie hartley is like on a like not bass but caught a fish like 500 days in a row or something like, or something like, (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) at some point you got to take a day
1: off. Don't you? Yeah. I don't
0: know. Like he's nutty. Like, um, wow. Northwest Iowa. Yeah. Uh, Matt best area to catch smallies on turtle or Lake Owen. What was the question? Best area to catch smallies on turtle or Lake
1: Owen. Oh man. I, uh, Turtle. I assume he's talking turtle uh, flambeau. Um, I would say on both those, they stay on the main lake portions. Um, if he's talking the turtle, I would, I would, I would fish. I mean, not necessarily this time of year, but main lake cabbage
2: mm-hmm. and
1: grass with topwaters. There's some big ones in there. I don't have a ton. I don't have a ton of uh, history on Owen. It's a lake I'd like to fish more of.
0: Cool. Did did you just catch your PB Smalley on St. Clair or Thousand no. Islands? Or, no, I, close I to weighed, it or
1: I weighed big bass to the tournament. It was a okay. s- uh six eight. I've got my three, I've got three smallmouth that are all exactly seven four. And uh, how many of
0: them were from Sturgeon Bay? Three? two, two from Sturgeon Bay,
1: <laughs> two from Sturgeon Bay, one was Kentucky oh. Lake. Nice. And then uh I've got a pretty good number of other fish that are right around seven pounds that uh nice. some Surgeon Bay, most of them are northern Wisconsin. Very cool. And
0: back to the late fall. Yeah. 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 That's how you get to five for thirty is by having some yeah. high sixes in the bag. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm getting jazzed up to go do it. We need some cooler yeah. temps
0: though. Honestly, my my PB smallies like between five and five and a half, probably, and it's probably on the lax. Like I just haven't uh like I actually like was gonna go to Sturgeon Bay this past weekend, but for the the TBS semis was there and I had to give it up because I got into that lacrosse tournament and then uh, caught them too good and now I have to go to nationals. I just didn't have the time to go to Sturgeon Bay. I couldn't make it work.
1: <clears throat> you should come come for the uh, Sturgeon Bay Open in, in May.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on my list of things to do. I just haven't uh, made it a priority. Like whether it's to fish the actual tournament or just head out there, like that's something I feel like I got to do. So yeah, I was talking, I got a uh, a guy that I know that become friends with. He was out there for this one. I was like, hey, maybe we should go fish the spring tournament. <laughs> he's really, got a uh, he's a... got a twenty one foot Vexus, so he's got the the, the vessel for it. So.
1: It's a it's an impressive fishery. I mean, it the in May it's unbelievable when you can pull into a an area that's got six other boats and you all catch a hundred fish sitting right in the same spot.
2: Sure. You no, know, it
1: it gets this time. Well, this time of year it'll start getting good again. But during the summer, it's they spread out a lot where it's not as not as good by any means. But uh, in the spring period, man, they group up like I've never seen before.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one on length for a Smalley because, like, I've caught river Smollies that were over 20 inches that didn't weigh three and a half pounds. Yeah. And at the same time, I've caught them on the lax. They've been fat. That could weigh five and a half pounds. So yeah. it's it's really tough without perspective of how fat it was. So. Still a good, I'd take five
1: 19 and a quarters every tournament I fish. That's
0: still a beautiful fish. Like yeah. there's no, there's no shame in that game regardless of how much it weighed. I imagine that your, your seven four in Kentucky looked way different than the seven fours you've had on sturgeon.
1: <clears throat> I mean, it was, it was a super big, deep bellied fish, but the, the fish, the smallmouth down South have such like, such a different coloring to me. They're very, Just, uh, white, kind of. I don't I don't know how to describe it. They just uh-huh. look different. The The thing with that fish that's amazing is I, I was down there with uh, my buddy Jason Correo and then this was a, a spring break trip during college and my huh. dad actually came with us and we took our, we took my dad's 16-foot sea nymph and we had it, we, we hit one pod there throwing some, that was when the rogue jerkbait was the big deal and my dad lost one that was way bigger than the Mm. seven and a quarter i caught i mean it was like five casts later it got caught i it it, there was no doubt in my mind it was over eight pounds it Mm. was he got it caught on a rivet on the bottom of the boat and the fish was jumping on the on the one side and we were trying to net it as he's like you know holding the rod over the other side of the boat but his line was caught on a rivet under the boat and just they ended Ouch. up seesawing him off and broke but uh,
0: that fish was way bigger than the one i had and that's before like smallies were like like smallies are really coming on now at kentucky lake that was kind of yeah. there
1: it's funny you know i've got a a buddy who lives down there he's an old timer and he i mean he's he tells me stories of giant giant smallmouth down there and it's the same you know the same gene pool that's growing giants down below Pickwick and uh, Wheeler's got giant ones in it now, and so they're they're like I could see that being a true sleeper river system to produce like the next world record. I mean, it's a sure. there's some giants in there,
0: especially now. Like there's a like a you know the the, the large mouth kind of dipped right. They're coming back. But the smallmouth have kind of flourished in kind of the the juggling of the ecosystem on Kentucky. So there there could be like this storm brewing for smallmouth at Kentucky Lake. Wouldn't surprise
1: me one bit. I mean, that's – there are giants in there. I mean, and they – during the summer months when those lakes get most of their pressure, they kind of disappear. But in uh, March – March is the month to go there for the big smallmouth.
0: Yeah, nice. I actually was reading something uh i was listing my dad's boat on texas fishing forum for him because he he like he lives in zapata and winters up here and uh i was reading this string of things about how they're catching more and more smallmouth in all different parts of amistad now really and i I don't know if you've ever been to amistad yeah but i can see that like flourishing like they could like probably like really flourish there
1: I I was there year. That was another lake I went to for a, you know. Everyone used to go party in college for spring break. I used to yeah. go, a couple buddies and I would go fish a lake. And we went to Amistad one year, and the, I mean at that point, like people were catching smallmouth, but you had to be up. I think it was the Devil's River. I think yep. is where. And now apparently they're spreading. That's interesting. I could see. You're right. I could see them doing really well there if if it takes off.
0: Huh. Yeah. Kind of how like Leech used to be like a unicorn to catch a smallmouth, and now they're slowly like this giant swell of smallies. And that like in like ten years, Leech could be like I don't know, could be like the new Malax. I don't know, whatever <laughs> or something. I like, don't
1: I don't understand why Leech isn't better. Like why is it just why is it taking so long
0: for him to yeah. get going? Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, that's a man. That's a lake I'd love to have a, a big tournament on a, a pro pro circuit event. I think it would, uh, if they, I don't know if they allow you to fish smallmouth there or not. I think when I was there for the, was it the Cabela's North American Bass Circuit? Yeah, Yeah, that, uh, I don't think we were allowed to weigh smallmouth, if I recall. No, they don't
0: like to allow them on the permitted tournaments. So um, it'd be perfect for the BPT because catch, weigh, release, they could do it. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, like 40 boats unleashed that would be a really cool tournament you could you could fit a lot more than 40 boats but out. no i'm saying like really like <laughs> I, I nobody don't. would be crowding anybody <laughs> like people could be doing smallies they could be doing i mean like it would be
1: you go all day without seeing a boat
2: out there
0: yeah it's uh i yeah.
1: really don't understand why that's not a a hot spot for bigger tournaments so, i mean i, I guess think it's, it's just could,
0: that like walker chamber of commerce doesn't is not interested i'm guessing yeah, that's you, why
1: You'd think they'd be all over that. But yeah, because like
0: I think really in Minnesota, the place that seems to be the most receptive is Vermilion for bringing it. I'd
1: I'd love to go there too. That's another good lake.
0: Yeah, amazing. Super fun lake. Yeah. Um, Do you know what what water temps before Sturgeon Bay gets going again in the fall?
1: Uh, You're usually looking in that mid 50 range. They'll start uh, grouping up on some of the deeper. The deeper breaks, uh, sharper breaking, why can't I think right now? You know, it's some of the, the sharper break lines is what you're sure. looking for. Just the, the main shoreline stuff. Usually, generally, the further north you go, the better it gets.
0: Yeah, they just had, a, like that tournament I didn't go to, I think, only two, two guys weighed 10 fish in two days. Yeah. Like it was tough. And they had not good wind conditions. So it like made like limited what they could do. But yeah, I bet the water water out there is still probably 65 degrees.
1: I bet. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, around here, it's still like I was out on Sunday and it was like 63 in the morning and warming up during the day. Right. So
1: yeah, I was out for a couple hours on the river today. And I mean, it was 65 degree temps. So, and generally the river cools way faster than some of the lakes, the clear water lakes. And it just, I don't know. It's like the fish are just waiting for that cooler water to really start biting. They kind of seem like they're in a funk.
0: Cool. Well, I'm going to like, Hey, you know, reminder, if you guys are enjoying the stream, hit the thumbs up. Uh, It helps the channel helps people see the stream and help, you know, see my channel, see Matt's channel be much appreciated but i'm going to open it up like free we've tried to pick most of the questions off if you didn't get a question earlier go ahead and drop it in now we'll kind of focus on questions but uh i guess while we're waiting for those to come in what is there a technique this year matt that you kind of like started to unlock or that you got excited about or a new product or like what's what was kind of new and fun for you this year that you kind of got into
1: man uh i gotta tell you The the chatterbait is one that I really relied on a lot more this year than I have. I don't know why. I feel like I'm late to the party on it. You know, I it's a it's a great bait for catching better than average size fish, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And in a five fish format, you know, I I think it's one of the best baits you can throw in terms of getting, you know, getting a good bag for sure for whatever reason i i think it's because i'm such a diehard swim jig fan that i didn't really want to re you know switch over to the chatterbait as much but this year the chatterbait caught me some really good fish um man i mean even even like a thousand islands i mean i was catching some big i didn't in the tournament but in practice i caught some big smallmouth on it just i felt like it was a fluke at first but then it started working pretty good that it was like no i think there's something to this and i know a lot of guys since have been uh catching them there on it but it's a it's a i do feel like it's a technique that you can't you don't necessarily just pick it up and instantly catch fish like i think there are some little nuances to it that definitely can make you a better chatterbait fisherman so that was that was for sure a bait that I threw a lot more this year. Um, you know, it's going to sound weird, but I the, the shaky head in the drop shot was two other baits that I kind of reverted back to after not throwing that much the last couple of years. I used to throw them a ton, uh, and I just kind of – I don't know if it was the lakes we went to or what, but I didn't throw them that much. And this year I kind of went back to – this year i really just went back to fishing my strengths uh so at some of the lakes that was you know i i I like to finesse fish and i like to i like to flip and if i could flip i flipped and if it was something where i felt like i just wanted to slow down and finesse fish that's what i did and it seemed to work pretty well It, it doesn't hurt that you know thousand islands is a smallmouth fishery and uh You know, the thing with Thousand Islands that I like so much is one, it's a river and I love fishing rivers, but two, in my 11 years fishing professionally, it, in my opinion, is the first time we've ever gone to a body of water that was truly a, like a structure fishing smallmouth event. I've got, you know, we've had events on St. Clair a couple of times, but St. Clair is such a, like, there's no structure. I mean, you're, (laughs) you're just drifting around trying to find a group of fish yeah so i don't like to me that's kind of more crapshoot um you know and we've yeah we've had you know we had a sturgeon bay event i guess but that was total weight catch, weight release so i wasn't the stuff i like to fish during august is much more after big fish and there was no way it would hold up for numbers and then i guess cherokee lake or some of the tennessee lakes we've been to but they're not
0: Usually hit them in the spring, so you're like not yeah, structure, it's, right?
1: Yeah, it's just not quite right. Yeah. And then, and then when we've gone to Champlain, it's always been June, which spawning. has been a straight spawning tournament. So it was nice to finally finish a what I felt like was a structure event, and I, you know, did I honestly? Well, I don't know if I should have won or not. I mean, Joe, my buddy Joey Sefuentes was he had a seven pound lead going into the fourth day and ended up he finished third, but Uh, I had uh, every day I lost big fish in that, in that event that really could have really had I landed them all, I could have won by seven or eight pounds. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things like they, when they say it's your time, it's your time. And it wasn't my time for that. And I'm truly just happy to have had a really good event. And that event got me qualified to to go fish the BPT and it got me Uh qualified to go fish yeah, you know, that locked me into inside the championships and lacrosse. So it was a, it was a good event, but
0: yeah, can't complain. Um,
1: you know, I really did revert back to <laughs> drop shots and shaky heads this year as well. And, and I, and I flipped a jig a lot, which I haven't done that much in years nice. past.
0: Gotta love a good jig bite.
1: <laughs> it's, it's another bait. If you, it's another bait, if you put it in your hand all day, if you can get the bites on it, you're going to probably get a couple of good bites mixed in.
0: yeah that's what i'm hoping for saturday lock that jig in my hand (laughs) uh so yeah minnesota we're still lagging behind we're closing spring. so like for me i'm going to the river and now i'm sneaking over across the border uh getting closer to matt and trying to fish some of that early season stuff and actually now maybe i may consider even going to south dakota so for me it's I'll do a little bit of crappie fishing here and there, but for me, like if I got the time or I got a weekend or I got a full day, I'm probably going to make a two, three hour drive and go fish the river or go fish across the border. So do you ice fish? No, I don't. Yeah. Me you? Too.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I own, I own two, two tip ups. I don't know why that got stuck. And
0: they're still in like the original box
1: that's my ice fishing gear right there
0: I had most of the stuff when I was in college and I did do it until about college and then I don't know when I moved out of the house or whatever I never like I lost all my stuff and I just never like I I mean like if if Soby calls me up and is like hey the crappies are biting I'd I'd be up for some ice harvesting but I have no interest in ice fishing how's that
1: (laughs) That's the thing. Like I, I enjoy going with a group of guys to hang out and talk, but with with the because I like to fish right till ice up and I chase the ice south, you know, it could be easily into December. And at that point you got the holiday months and then in January yeah. I'm driving south for tournaments already. Sure. So it's just one of those things I, I haven't gotten that that much into it.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there a time in the fall where you see smallmouth small shallow.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, generally this time, you know, so when you, you get that, the water starting to fall, you know, get into that 65, 63 degree range down up in, you know, into the mid fifties, I, you can catch them deep still, but I like to get shallow with like a jerk mm-hmm. bait or a swim bait and uh, fish them, you know, in four to 12 foot of water, I'd say.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you like a ball head or a football better for rocks? For in terms
1: of a jig, I'd rather go with a. I'd rather go
0: the football jig. Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's see. Kind of do some rapid fire. All right. Any tips for Vermilion? From a mat to another mat. He's going up there this weekend. I think.
1: Oh man, this weekend I've never fished it this this time of year, but uh, I man I. If you're looking to catch fish, it seems like the docks always have smallmouth on them.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you're looking for largemouth, I'd go to the west end and find some good weed clumps and put a heavy weight on and go uh, flipping.
0: Yeah, the west end kind of had a largemouth virus. It's not as good as it used to be. Really? <laughs> yeah. I so I would know. say if you want largemouth, go to that. What is it? That duck green heart, greenhead, green. Head, green like you go through the shallows, there's a bay on the south. Like it's like the first weedy bay when you start to go through the narr- narrows. It's like narrows, yeah. Um, not like the narrows with the buoys, but like the first narrows where you go by where it next down and on the left.
1: Oh,
0: Greenhead Bay, or I think it's like Greenhead or something. I know, but,
1: I know you're talking. I don't know the name of
0: it, or just the Fortune Bay. The yeah, Fortune Bay, or freight, the yeah, yeah. I mean, right by the casino, that bay's got largies in it, but I would say. Yeah, try some docks. If they're not on docks, I'd probably cover water with a jerkbait and a DT6 and a crop pattern until you find them. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to go through a bunch here. Uh, Been a record. All right, cool. Pickwick in May? I don't know. Is that just a statement? I don't know. (laughs) Pickwick in May? We're going to be uh, man. I think. Am I
1: there? No, I'm there in April this year.
0: That should be a good tournament.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to go there. I've never. Every time I've been to Pickwick, it's been June for ledge season. So I'm. I'm looking forward to potentially finding some smallmouth or pre-spawn largemouth, they'll probably fish on beds too, I guess, but they'll be good.
0: Um, I have not got into the BFS thing. I guess I'm, I mean, I prefer to catch them on a baitcaster, but I'm perfectly comfortable with spinning rods when it comes to finesse, and I don't see the need, I don't see the advantage to the BFS unless you just hate spinning rods.
1: I'm a big fan of spinning rods. It's going to take me a lot to put my spinning rods down.
0: Yeah, like I don't love spinning rods, but I appreciate them for light line and you know certain applications. So I don't see the advantage of the BVS and BFS. Like I don't, I don't get why I would want to throw a baitcaster with six pound line on it. Like I just don't see the advantage.
1: I I think from a casting standpoint, I'm way more accurate with a spinning rod mm-hmm. if I'm fishing some light finesse stuff. I don't, you know, you can you can cast it with a bay caster, but I just don't think I'm as accurate.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever throw red dates late in the year? or Is that only a spring thing? What do you think?
1: No, man, I. Uh, it might be tomorrow's YouTube video. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I'm trying to think. I got one loaded up here to come out in the next couple of days that's talking about uh, the color red. And, you know, there there was such a big red craze a few years ago with, like, red hooks and all that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's never been a huge player. But on a jerkbait, a red jerkbait, uh, it seems like it's a really consistent color and one that the fish don't see. And pre-spawn in late fall, it can be a killer. And when mm-hmm. I say red, I'm not talking, like, fire engine red. It's more like dried blood red, like a maroon color. Hmm. And and some of that has to do with some of the lakes up here, uh, at least in Wisconsin. I assume in Minnesota too. We have like the the rosy reds, the little the little minnow. They're like red colored minnows. I mean, but they're hmm. not like the rosy. I don't know. They're, I don't know if they're rosy reds. I should say they're not like the light pink ones you get uh, at the bait shop. They're definitely a darker color red. And sometimes you'll see big schools of them. So I don't know if that's why. Uh, It works really well in some lakes, but I've had really good success with it down chasing spotted bass on Lanier on Smith Lake. It's a a good color, but I I like it. I do like red in cooler water, though.
0: Nice. I definitely, I don't know that I throw a lot of, like, the not the bright reds that I throw in the spring, but I find myself throwing more of the, the brownish reds, the more. Yeah. Like there's red in them, but they're more craw, they're less bright, like I don't know for sure.
1: Red red's a great color on the river
0: too. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts on like red hook? Do you ever play with red hooks? Do you see
1: that? I mean that's that's kind of what I was getting at before with the red hook craze. Like I've I've tried it and I don't feel like it helps me. In fact mm-hmm. that I don't I would rather go with just basic nickel hooks i mean i had the red maybe it's in my head but i definitely don't feel like it gets me more bites
0: i like it for top waters on the if front I hook were,
1: do, do you do all the hooks or just just one the front
0: hook? hook
1: yeah if i were to do it i would do just the front hook
0: i'm a firm believer that like that front red hook doesn't necessarily get more bites but it gets them to hit the right section of the bait i think yeah
1: and sometimes that's that's a big part of it. It's just a matter of giving them something to key in on to hit it where you want them to hit it. And I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I've spent, you know, years and years experimenting between red hooks and not red hooks. I just, if I were to do it, I would do one single hook on the front that was red. But generally, I would rather just throw the straight nickel hooks.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a ton of confidence in it, and that's all that really matters to me. <laughs> like, that's, Hey,
1: I say that all the time on my channel. I say confidence is king. I mean, just because what you think doesn't work for me doesn't make you right or me you know, wrong or whatever. It's just whatever you feel confident in, stick with it. You know, if guys want to throw dead rigs on bait casting gear and it works for them, go do it. That's what works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, if you prefer if you're more comfortable with a baitcaster then absolutely explore BF B, 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 BFS. Like it could be for you. Yeah. For me personally, I don't think there's an advantage for me. Like but uh, yeah and I, I do think there could be instances for me in my head where like a fish that swirls at a bait that maybe with that red hook it gets him to eat it. But who knows?
1: I mean, you know, that's, that's the one thing about our sport that I always, I, I always have a hard time when somebody's like 100%, this is how you have to do it.
0: You are wrong. Or because, you are yeah, right. Or I it's mean, like, <laughs>
1: how, unless the fish starts talking and tells you what they're thinking, we won't ever know, which is why to me, confidence is such a big thing. What, yeah. what works for you is what works for you. And it could be because it truly is better. It could just be because mentally you're more into it, and therefore you make it work better. I mean, it's just it's the same thing. When somebody's like, "You go fish over there, you'll catch them." You could fish that spot a hundred times, you never catch a fish, but every time they go there, they catch them. And you're like, "I don't, I don't know how they're doing it, <laughs> but it works." I mean, so what works? I I just can't stress enough for any angler out there. If it works for you, do it don't don't just because somebody just because i'm saying this is how i do it doesn't make it the right thing for you to do i mean there's so many various variables like that this is a a question i get all the time is about rod and reel choices and line choices and then you know guys will argue you got to throw braid or you got to throw fluorocarbon well when you break it down a lot of times what people don't realize is the guy throwing braids throwing a um you know a a medium action rod and the guy throwing it on fluorocarbons throwing you know fast action rod and therefore it's almost kind of equaling out and guys just didn't break it down far enough and it it just comes down to what works for you is what is is the best choice i mean confidence in my opinion is like 50 percent efficient
0: and it and like like all that stuff goes into mechanics like it's all about pairing your equipment and your setup with your mechanics like yeah. i'm a firm believer that for some people's hook sets a snell knot is the way to go and for other people's it's not like yeah. and like there are people i mean like nobody's hook set is the same right like there are people that are slack liners and hook setters and people that reel into them and people that lean on them and like you just got to do what works for you and you got to figure out like take that knowledge Try it for you. And if it works, then you're good. But if you're losing fish or you're missing fish, then go out and look at that information. Make an and,
2: adjustment. And, and, yeah. Make I, an
0: adjustment I, one way. If it gets worse, <laughs> go back the other way. Right. And like uh it's so hundred percent agree with you. That's
1: one that's one of the reasons I don't ever like to see rod companies label a rod as top water or frog yeah. or flipping, because in my experience, a lot of times that rod i may like the rod but i don't like it for the way they have it labeled and it's just because i do it different
0: yeah and the other thing is like (laughs) there is no standard golden rule for what a medium or a fast or a a five or a two power. like it's all arbitrary by the manufacturer and then it's just like that's the the thing that you struggle with talking to people and be like well i got a i got a falcon medium heavy fast action how does that compare to your abu garcia medium light you know extra fat Just like i don't know it's everybody's making it up as they go you really just got to get into a a line a a line of rods that you like and like see what works for you i mean it's yeah
1: that's why i build my own rods
0: yeah (laughs) for sure like it to me it's like I, I fish Dobbins because I like that they're like consistent across, like there's a lot of things that you can take from series to series and and they don't uh, like a champion rod from five years ago is almost identical to a champ. I mean, they may make some cosmetic upgrades and, and you know, sure. things, but like they, they stay pretty true. And like, I remember like 10 years ago I had a Kumara that I loved a medium heavy seven footer or whatever it was. And then like, you know, companies, some of the bigger companies, they like, they completely blow up there. And like the new Camara to the old Camara is like, wh- why do you even still call it a Camara? Cause that rod is like, they go from a cork, you know, to a, a, you know, a foam grip and like the balance changes. And it's just like, this rod is nothing like the one that I used to like. <laughs> so, but it's crazy. So
1: That's the fishing world, man. How many times yeah. does something get discontinued and you're like, no,
0: yeah, I mean, bring that back. Like every good jackal bait that was ever made has been discontinued. <laughs> well,
1: now I just saw they're coming out with the bling again. I think I they?
0: heard they were coming up with all their good baits again. I guess, but will they be the same? And they'll never be as good as the Probably old not. ones. And like, yeah, like it's like, yeah. What do you do? Like, you know, like you got people that love, right? This the old three hook Zell Roland, right? Like. Yeah. Like, you know, the OG Vixens and the, the you know the old Swamp donkeys. Are they as good as the new Swamp Donkeys? And like it's just like it's crazy. But Yeah, I don't
1: I can't think of one time when they've come back out with a bait where the new version is more popular.
0: Yeah, or they're like, This is even better than the old one. And I don't know if it's just everybody's yeah. confidence or that they truly aren't the same. It's it's I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know that's I I I I would love for somebody to comment one bait that is more popular in the newer version.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. Like
1: I mean, I could rattle off so many that I mean, you know, wiggle wart, uh, the the vixens, the XR uh, Excalibur one knockers yeah. and all that. I mean
0: the, the the minus ones.
1: Yeah, the minus ones. Pretty much everything that's been discontinued.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, that's a good one. Like that's a really good one. It's like what's a bait that came like went away that came back, and the new one is actually better than the old one. All right, well, there let, you go. In the go. comments, yeah, if you watch this replay, you can let us know, and then I'll I'll uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in the future. I will say, well, here's one. Well, I didn't get. This is a good one right here. Like, so this is not exactly what we said, right? Like, I think we would all agree that the newer Chatterbaits are better than the original. I think, but it never went away. It was just an evolution, and right, it's yeah, not like yeah,
1: that's just yeah, that's just making it better.
0: Yeah, that it wasn't like the Chatterbait went away for five years and came back as the jackhammer, but that like.
1: But it's, I, I, I appreciate the comment. Like, that is yeah, a lot that's of the right bio. kind of
0: thinking. I mean, that's like, right, like, the old spooks that had, like, the solid hook hangers and, like, right, those weren't the best spooks. Then they eventually got to a place somewhere around this where they were very, yeah. they, you know, the first three hook Excalibur spooks were very popular. And then these ones disappeared. And these are the ones that people pay $50 for, right? Yeah. But they got rid of these. There's, like... How many of the Excalibur baits, right? Like the
1: yeah, all all those yeah. Excalibur, all these I mean, fat
0: free shads, and like the, all the ones with Bill Dance's name and Mark Davis's names on them. Those are the ones everybody wants that they don't make anymore.
1: All the old storms. I mean, I'm looking at a Chug Bug right now. People like the older Chug Bugs better.
0: Yeah, and like this one, right? This was like the Strike Strike what Strike Pro was the Bubba, right? And then Todd Castledine convinced Strike King to come back out. And this is supposedly made by Strike Pro for Strike King. But is this as good as the. I don't know. Right. I don't...
2: Huh.
0: I've never used that one. I have a couple. I can't say that I've used them a lot. Um... Huh. What? Yeah. I don't know. I like that question. I'm going to feel like I'm going to ask the bait man that and see if he's got any ideas. He's no you yeah.
1: would have the answer there's got to be something got to be i mean i'm looking like i'm looking at a jar of uncle josh pork frogs right now and i mean i feel like the old ones are way better than the new ones that they just came out with there you go
0: <laughs> i really like this one did you ever use this one that looks like a cross shape
1: yeah i have i i'm just a, give me a number 11 that's like my go-to.
0: Yeah, there was something about this one that I liked. This the place the last time I really used this was on Leech in a tournament where I was flipping a jig in the rice and it just was so efficient. Right. I never had to change a trailer yeah. all day and I kept my jig wet and my made more presentations because I never fixed a trailer all day and I think that got me more bites because I was so efficient.
1: I I'm a huge fan of the I mean I've got a whole I got a whole pile of Uncle Josh pork frogs and still use them. I, I actually did a video today where I made my own pork frogs.
0: What? Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: Yeah. It didn't end the way I wanted it to, but uh, <laughs> we did make some and we nice. use them. That's cool.
0: Well, we just hit two hours. I feel like we've answered most people's questions. We ended on a, a conundrum. Um, <laughs> If you guys I'm not have to check- be able to sleep now. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> going to be like DMing me on Instagram. I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't already go check out Matt, uh, Matt, Stefan Fishin's videos. He's got some good content. He just dropped some stuff today. Um, appreciate it. If you haven't already hit the thumbs up. Uh, I think there was a lot of good nuggets that we uh, uncovered. It'd be worth catching the replay on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, if you guys came in late, I also got my podcast version. These become an audio MP3 search. in your favorite podcast app. Um, congrats to our winner. Was it Daryl that won the, the, uh, the prize pack from Arsenal 25% off on hoodies links in the description for all that stuff. Um, anything else we should talk about anything else you want to mention, Matt? So if no, you subscribe no. to Matt's channel, I think you can win some beef jerky, right?
1: Yeah, we do uh every month we give away some sponsor products and uh, on bigger subscriber numbers that we hit milestones we hit, I've been giving away a bunch of sponsor related stuff and the only way to be entered is through uh being a subscriber and if you if you if you like watching some of the videos, you might as well become a subscriber to have a shot at winning some stuff but Overall, Rich, I just want to say thanks for having me on. I had a blast, and uh, if you you need me on in the future at any point, feel free to reach out. I'd love for to do it again.
0: For sure. If you need anybody to help you film those late fall smolies, let me know. You, you never know. The phone might be ringing. Yeah, if if your if your boat disappears, I, I do have a boat. So.
1: <laughs> well, that's all that that that's always a big issue for me. A lot yeah. of times, I don't get the fish as much as I want the fall because I don't have a boat. Nice.
0: All right. Well, it sounds like everybody appreciate it as always here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Thanks. Get
1: ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady,
0: a Netflix live event happening May 5th.